Hey, so this is the, the fourth week. This is going to be the final week of this series. I want to tell you, you want to come back next week, okay? I'm going to talk to you next week about the greatest battle, the greatest battle that we face. It's going to be a standalone message. It's the, the transitional sermon between two series. We're going into a series next month called Rise Up and Build. I think that that's at least the subtitle. We haven't created all of the things that are going to go with it. But I'm telling you, next week, the greatest battle that you face, and I believe, I believe that God has given us the answer of how to overcome that battle. Not just contend with that battle. Today we're wrapping up a series called Can I Contend? And over the last three weeks, we've been talking about what we believe God has given us to be able to contend. We, we went from Jeremiah chapter 12 all the way over to Revelation chapter 6. We explained what we believe to be the spirit of the four horses with the horsemen that are on them. And then between those two books of the Bible is 1 Thessalonians, specifically chapter 5, where we believe, it looks like Paul gives us a checklist of things that we can look to. All right, So I'm going to review three weeks of sermons in three minutes. You think I can do it? Me either. Ch Jeremiah chapter 12. Verse 5, here's what it says. If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend? Can I contend? How can you contend with the horses? So I want to preach to you today the finality of this series, how I contend. Like, take me off of the pedestal that I don't deserve just because of the position that I'm in. Remove the, remove the title of pastor and, and remember that my wife knows Chris Fry. <laughs> and Pastor Lydia knows Chris Fry. She, she grew up with me. Remember today that before I'm a pastor, before I'm a Christian leader, I'm just, a, I'm just another child of God, okay? Attempting to figure out the will of God, live it out and lead people into it in this generation. At the end of the day, I'm just, I'm another husband. I'm another father. I'm another friend. I'm, I'm not, a pastor is, is what I do by trade. But I, let me just, uh, complete transparency, I want to help you. Most of the time, I feel extremely inadequate as a pastor. I feel very strong as a leader because I'm just aggressive. <laughs> But that's not normally a characteristic of a pastor. Like when you think, oh man, I love that pastor. He's so aggressive and in my face. You know, that's just not, that's not the characteristic. So most of the time, I feel personally, Chris Frock feels really inadequate of being able to accomplish even what God has positioned me to accomplish. So how do I contend? This is how. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 it says, honor those, right there in the middle of the verse, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. And remember, your leader is not your covering. Your honor for your leader is your covering. It doesn't matter who the leader is. The church, the child of God, is called to honor. It doesn't mean that you have to obey every idea or every demand. 
But it does mean that we have to honor. And when we remove our honor, we remove our covering. Verse 14 says this, right in the middle. Take tender care of those who are weak. Jesus, help me with these last four words. And be patient with everyone. Like the person that you have the least amount of patience for. Think of them right now. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Just think of them. Look ahead. Look right here. That's the person that God wants you to have the most patience with. Verse verse 15, the Bible says, always try. I love that. Always try. You know, because there's just some days where, like, I don't want to, but I know that God honors my effort. So always try. Always try to do good. You don't, you don't get to just be ugly to people and be called a child of God. It's just not how it works. Always try to do good to each other, like, you know, the people that you like, and then to all people. The people that don't look like you, weren't raised like you, don't smell like you, don't dress like you, aren't in your generation and don't like your music. To all people. To all people. Let's keep going. Verse 16. Always be joyful. Best scripture in the Bible. So easy to remember. Three words. Followed by my next favorite scripture besides Jesus wept because I love to memorize God's word. It says never stop praying. You can always be joyful, never stop praying. I just memorized two scriptures that I can share all week long. Watch, he keeps going, verse 18, and be thankful in all circumstances. Watch, I think, I think he thought this one was important. Paul said, for this is the will of God for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Hang out right there. Here's what I need you to understand. If you sense that you're not a very grateful person, you could be outside of God's will for your life. Because gratitude and godliness go hand in hand. I know that God has grace for ingratitude. I know that God has grace for times that I'm ungrateful. But if I'm not careful, when I become ungrateful and I become okay with it, I could be stepping outside of what God wanted me to to use me to do that day or in that person. Paul says this is so important. This is the will of God. So over the last few weeks, we learned number one, contend with covering. Number two, contend with care. Number three, contend with grace. Number four, contend with joy. And these are all in your notes on the back of your bulletin and or eunicechurch.com slash notes. And all those series are right there on our website at eunicechurch.com. Contend with joy. Contend, number five, with prayer. I'm going to stop right here. I want to I give you this now, and then I can just reference it later. One of the things that, that I learned early on in my ministry life, not in my Christian life, but in my ministry life, I really didn't, I really didn't know how to pray. Like, I needed a structure because I would just kind of sit down and, and just kind of tell God what I wanted and call that prayer. Like, I would just kind of start, I would sit down and just start telling God what was wrong, um, what I needed, what I wish was happening. And I'd do that for a few minutes, like, okay, good, I prayed today. Okay, that's not prayer. Now, God can handle that if that's where you are and that's what you need. Like, any good daddy can listen to their child for at least a minute or two, Right? But I like, I like this definition of prayer, and it actually is just an acronym for the word 
pray, starting with P, praise him. In fact, that's the last point. We'll just jump to it. We'll come right back. Contend with praise. That's being thankful in all circumstances because praising, you were created to praise in the image and for the glory of God. That's why and how you were created. So go back to contend with prayer. Number The P is praise. The R, whenever you begin to praise God, you, you begin to recognize who he is, it helps you realize who you're not. And when you realize who you're not, it makes you want to repent. What does repent mean? It doesn't mean to just turn away from sin. It means to change the way that you think. It's metanoia. Remember, John the Baptist came from the wilderness saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying, hey, the way that you have been thinking is not going to work for where God wants to take you. you got to change your mind. you got to repent. you got to repent before God. Now, now we can begin to ask God. Because now we're beginning to align our wants with his will. And we can begin to ask God. And then the why is yield. Remember yield, the sign that nobody knows what to do? It literally just means let them go. Like if somebody's coming, it's, it's their turn. You have to let them go. So we get into our prayer after a few minutes and we, we just stop saying stuff. And we're okay with the awkward silence. Because it's in this moment that God speaks. I can't hear his voice when I'm talking. I hear when I'm listening. And now I can begin to e-expect God to respond. And finally, the last R is I can receive in that moment. Hey, if you didn't know how to pray, now you do. Now I contend with praise, number six. And then today, this is where we're going to dive in, number seven. See, I told you I couldn't do it. It was way longer than three minutes. <laughs> number seven is contend. You're going to get a little spiritual today. You ready? Contend with the Holy Spirit. Pastor Robert Morris at Gateway Church in South Lake, Texas, he calls the Holy Spirit the God he never knew. I can, I can relate to that because I never really heard a lot of sermons on the Holy Spirit. If I did hear them, I wasn't, it didn't register that we were talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. I always had this mystical, supernatural idea of the Spirit that really wants to come alongside me and walk with me through life. That's what Jesus said, the Holy Spirit that's who Jesus said the Holy Spirit was, is he was another, another comforter, one likened unto myself, comforter, one that would come alongside. And so Paul says, as we continue in this series, just reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we should contend with the Holy Spirit. Watch verse 19. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. This is really important. I'm going to come back to this. And then verse 20, do not scoff at prophecies. See, Paul is taking us through a progression here. He was just giving us three words that we had to remember in Scripture. And now he's given us five words. So he's trying to help us grow in our Scripture memorization. Memorization is hard to say. Verse 19, do not, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Now listen, I, I, was, I wasn't born in a church. I was born in a hospital. But I made my way there very soon, Okay. <laughs> 
Um, and I was raised in, in First Baptist Minden and Calvary Missionary Baptist in Minden, both of those churches. I, I went back and forth between the two. I, I went over to another church for a little while called Living Word. Uh, it wasn't Assembly of God. It was Ramo-related, more Kenneth Copeland type, name it, claim it, bra- blab it, gla- grab it, believe it, receive it. That's just kind of where I, I actually liked it because I could run in the church and everybody thought I was being spiritual. <laughs> Then, <laughs> that's true. I'm just telling it's my experience. Don't get mad at me. If, um, and then, and then I, I made my way over to, to Shreveport Community Church, which was First Assembly of God in Shreveport. And Megan and I landed at Broadmoor Assembly of God. I told you all that to say, like, I went to a lot of church. I went to a lot of church. Hey, sometimes I just got bored with white people. I went to the black church across town because they look like they have more fun. <laughs> but that maybe that's where I get a little bit of soul. Like, those people made Christianity look cool. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it seemed like all my white friends were cheesy. All my black friends were like, they love Jesus, kind of, and it was cool, and it was fun, you know? Do not so, so stifle. When I say stifle the Holy Spirit, I've seen both sides. Um, and I, I think there's two predominant ways that you can stifle the Holy Spirit. The first side is the obvious, is that you can constrict the Holy Spirit. Like, you can stop him from moving in a service in your life. Um, And let me just say this. The churches that reserve the Holy Spirit for a retreat are not going to make it in the last days. The churches that can do everything they want to do on a Sunday morning, and they're so good at it that they don't need the Holy Spirit, those churches will be sifted out like, like thresh in the last days. Like chaff from the wheat. Now, at the same time, because I've seen that, we can stifle the Holy Spirit by stopping the Holy Spirit. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, I have seen the Holy Spirit stifled because of so-called Spirit-filled people showing off. Making it about them. Anything that becomes selfish is not biblical. When you make it selfish, it becomes unsanctified automatically from salvation to the infilling of the Holy Spirit to anything else that you want to put in that category. Listen, the Holy Spirit's purpose is not so that we can have a hallelujah hoedown every Sunday morning and then walk out of here the same. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is for us to be empowered so that we walk out of here and empower others to live for Jesus with us. Not that we could have a self-righteous, selfish service that only ministers to the saints that have been going to the church for the last 20 years but haven't brought anybody with them in 15 years. Come on. Speak in tongues but hadn't led anybody in a prayer of salvation in your existence. You have missed the point and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So there's two ways. And by the way, if you operate in the gifts of Spirit, then let me see you operate, them in, uh, operate in those gifts in the restaurants not just in service where it's conducive for you to operate in them. Let me hear somebody speaking in tongues in an aisle in Walmart. I'll interpret your gift. Isn't it amazing that it seems like we only operate in the gifts of the Spirit where it's comfortable for us to operate in those gifts, but the gifts of the Spirit were never intended for a service. They were intended for society, which is how Christianity actually grew. So don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we're going to need Him in the last days. We're going to need him outside of the walls of a building, especially if we're not allowed to gather in buildings anymore. And then don't scoff at prophecies. Why? Because you're going to need prophecies. 
Watch, this is the job of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us in John chapter 14, verse 26, the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So look, right there, he's got two jobs. He's going to teach you things. The carnal mind cannot understand the things of God except for by the Spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit to even comprehend what God is trying to say. We really needed the Holy Spirit when all we could read was King James Version, right? I don't speak in at the end of everything. And so I read from other translations because I don't, have to, I don't like to have to explain every verse as I read it, even though I do it anyways. <laughs> we need the Holy Spirit to what? To teach us everything. Everything that's important. Everything that matters. Listen, everything that is eternal beyond the temporary. And then we need him to remind us of everything that Jesus has already said. Like, We'll go over that verse on Monday or Sunday, and then it comes up like 17 times that week. That's the Holy Spirit giving you opportunities to actually apply his word. That's who he is. That's what he does. That's why he does it. Watch, Jesus goes on. He tells us some more things that the Holy Spirit does. In John chapter 16, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. Hey, how many of you need some guidance right now? Remember, this is how I contend. Guys, I need help. Like, we faced things over the last 12 months that I didn't know, I didn't have an answer for. And I always have an answer, even if it's not right. <laughs> Pastor, what do we do? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Jesus, I hope that was right. God, was that right? It was close enough. Okay, tell him again. <laughs> I need the Holy Spirit to guide me. Because decision-making has sped up. Because, because being anxious has increased in this society. Because we are running at a pace that is greater and longer. See, we went into, let me just settle here for a second. We went into COVID-19 last February thinking, hey, we're just gonna, we're gonna close the doors for a couple of weeks, right? That's how it started. Please help me. We started just a couple of weeks, right? And we thought, man, if we just do this for a couple of weeks, then this will be over with because we're gonna, in, a, in a few weeks, we'll, we'll just open everything back up and it will all be okay. The prop, and so what did we do? We sprinted for two weeks or we, we shut down for two weeks. The problem is this thing hung around. So when pastors and churches and people were sprinting, trying to like run ahead because this was about to open back up. When we got to June, it was still around. But we'd been running at a rate that we weren't used to running at. And so now we're having to keep that pace. And we're tired. And we're weary. We need a guide that will help us and lead us. The Bible says he will speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. See, the Holy Spirit hears directly from the Father. He will tell you, watch this, about the future. See, it's not prophecy. The NIV version says this. He will tell you of things yet to come. He'll tell you of things yet to come. Not just, he's not just going to explain things that just happened. That's not prophecy. 
Like, oh, it's COVID-19. It's a disease. I heard from the Lord. Jesus is coming. That's not prophecy, stupid. That's in Scripture. (laughs) I can read that. I don't need you to read the Bible to me and call it prophecy. That's not prophecy. Prophecy doesn't explain things after they happen. That's interpretation. Good for you. You have some wisdom. Praise God. Prophecy is somebody saying in December and January, hey, church, you better get ready. You better learn how to read and pray and join in small groups all on your own. For those of you who aren't already online, you better get your stuff together because that's the only church you're going to have. I'd be like, okay. But don't scoff at it. Okay, man, maybe this is God. Then all of a sudden, March hits. I'm like, I should have listened to that dude. That's prophecy. He'll tell you the things of the future. And again, don't just prophesy in sanctuaries. Prophesy in society. Watch, this is what the Holy Spirit will teach us. Luke 21, verse 28. Now when these things begin to take place. What things? All the things that Scripture said was going to happen. When these things begin to take place, straighten up. Um, sometimes my, my child, this, it's so pink and it's so big, like just little juicy lips. And I love their sugars, but, but man, sometimes that little bottom lip, it just, I mean, and that little head was hanging down. And then, and then I make it better by saying, hey, you're going to trip on that thing if you don't get it back in. <laughs> Lift your head, weary sinner. <laughs> Not really. I would say, well, sometimes I do. But, it's, <laughs> but th- this, is what, this is what Jesus is speaking to. Let me give you an example. Um, we used to go on this mission trip. We haven't been able to go in a while just because of the circumstances, situations. And, uh, but we used to go on this mission trip when I was a youth pastor. We'd take students out to White River, Arizona. We'd drive up, man, from all over. We were, we would, it would take 21 hours to get there. You see why I don't do this often. Uh, in a van with students. You're talking about needing the Holy Spirit. But the spirit of slap come over you after about seven hours, okay? So we would go across. We would drive in vans across, across, all the way across Texas, which is like the largest ridiculous landmass ever. And then we would get into New Mexico and be like, we're almost there. We've only been through one state, but we've, we're almost there because New Mexico is like, gone. And then, and then we would go down into Arizona. We get to White River. White River is located in Fort Apache, the White Mountain Apache Indian Reservation. Okay, Native American reservation, and 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 guys, listen. Like you don't need to go through a th- you don't need to go to a third world to see people living without electricity and running water and not enough food. You can go out to White River, Arizona, and you can see that exact thing. Like the, it's real poverty. Not like I could go get a job if I wasn't being lazy or if I just looked harder. But like I legitimately don't have work. There's nothing here to do. It's no water. It's no electricity. And in the middle of that, a pastor named Robert Jimenez, a Latino man who planted a church around Native Americans, planted White River Assembly of God. And we would go out there and we would just stay with Pastor Robert. You talk about racial reconciliation, a Latino man planting a church in the middle of an Apache tribe. That's racial reconciliation. That looks like heaven, by the way. This man, for 25 years, he planted this church. For 25 years, he had so much influence in that place that when he passed away, the Apaches asked that his body be buried on their land. 
Because remember, they affiliate their land with their ancestry, and in their eyes, it's the same. And they wanted the spirit of that man to remain in their land. That's how much influence Pastor Robert Jimenez had on the Apache people, that the chief allowed his body to be buried in Apache territory. We would go there, and there was at the bottom, obviously, White River, Arizona. There was a big bridge across, and you could see down, and you could walk down to White River. And when the water was up, man, it was beautiful. It was clear. But one year, the water was down, and I was used to the water being up. And then we have all these little holes. You can jump off a rock and make sure there's no rocks underneath, and you could swim in these little watering holes. And so we had gone down, and we were like, hey, we're going to baptize some students. So we planned, like, this baptismal service while we were there doing ministry. And we went in, and we started noticing, like the students were coming up and they were they had like this stuff on them well y'all I grew up in north Louisiana at Lake Bistineau I dive in Lake Bistineau you don't use a white towel at Lake Bistineau you use a brown towel so you can't tell how much stuff you're wiping off sometimes you need a black towel because you come out of Lake Bistineau with all kind of bacteria on your beard and your head and all over and so I was just like this ain't this way this ain't as bad as Bistineau water the only different was difference was the things that were on your skin out of Bistineau they didn't move but these things were moving <laughs> and we realized we're like man these kids have leeches on them <laughs> and I was in the water too it's so like hi y'all got leeches we got leeches on us it just wasn't, it was, it was tough. We were at the bottom of the valley. The water wasn't running like it was, it wasn't clean. It was, it was a rough place. It was beautiful land. Pastor Robert took us, though, about an hour away. He took us to, uh, to it's called sun, Sunrise or Sunset. It's in my notes. What's it called? To the resort, their ski resort there on the Apache land. Where is it in my notes? It's right, oh, yeah, Sunrise Ski Resort. Praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and, and we went up there. We drove like an hour. It's up at the top of White Mountain. We got on a ski lift. There was like bears running down. It was the summertime, so there wasn't like a, a lot of snow. There were all kind of wildlife and things running down the ski slopes. And we got up to the top of a mountain, and I, and I took a, a, a narcissisti, I mean a, a, a selfie, at the, t- <laughs> at, the top of the, at the top of the mountain with Pastor Robert and Pastor Josh Merchant. And I even, I even held my wife and was looking over the, I had the picture, but it was really fuzzy, and it was an old camera, not like today or I'd have shown it but and you could see all over it it was beautiful and that helped me that that showed me like man sometimes I need a higher perspective than the one that I'm in like when I'm down here dealing with all the mess it feels like it feels like that life is just it's just sucking the life out of me but if I could if I could get up if I could get up from the Holy Spirit's perspective like the one who is, who, whose love is higher than, than any height and, 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 and exceeds in, in even my imagination. If I could see from his perspective. I think that is what the Holy Spirit does whenever we connect to him. I think that if you'll put that verse back up there, verse 28, when the Bible says straighten up and raise your head. This word straighten up in the Greek, it's anak uptu. I had to look up the phonetics. I'm not that good. I didn't study Greek. I studied political science. We totally skipped over Greek. And I look it up on Bible Hub and all of that resource is right there for us to learn and for us to understand. Anak Uptu, it literally translates as I raise myself. 
I raise myself. I'm not looking for somebody else to do something for me that I'm perfectly capable of doing on my own. Even God. I heard an old evangelist say, the Lord will never do for you what he created you to be able to do. He's not going to do for you what you could do for yourself. This word, it means I raise myself or I look up. Watch, in the definition, listen, if you're, if you're falling asleep, listen, listen. The, the definition of this word is to roll away. To roll away and or as we roll away, we roll back. Now, when I saw this, my spirit, look, right here, right here. My spirit, like I'm in this room over here studying on Wednesdays when I study to write my sermon for Sundays when I finish it up. To roll away, to move back. My automatically thought, I was like, Lord, please let this be the same word. Please let it be the same word. So I typed in my Google search engine, and this is what I typed. Scripture, the stone rolled away. Scripture, the stone rolled away. And I pulled up that verse on Bible Hub, and then I clicked on the lexicon or the original Greek. And in the original Greek of Luke 21, verse 28, the word was anak uptu. It was number 352 in the strong definition of this word. When I clicked on the stone rolled away, it was number 352, anak uptu, which meant I raised myself up. Here's what I mean. Here's what needs to happen. When the world is looking around at all the stuff that's going on and everything that's starting to scare them and give them anxiety and frustrate them, when the world is looking around, the church should be looking up. We should be looking up. We should anak uptu. We need to remember that we can, in the name of Jesus, the one who rolled the stone away. We can raise ourselves up in his name. So the things that you thought were dead are actually about to become resurrected. The things that you thought were down were about to be lifted up. The things that you were taught, you thought were ashes are about to be turned. Somebody preach with me this morning. The things that you thought were just incubating and lost are about to be reborn. If you will stop looking around and Straighten up, lift up your head, weary sinner, lift your eyes unto the hills, because that, he is where my help comes from. I can raise myself up in these days if I contend with the Holy Spirit. Number eight, I'm glad y'all like this one, this one's mean. That last one I meant, I'm glad you liked the last one. This one gets a little tough. Number eight, contend with conviction. Contend with conviction. Now, listen, please hear me. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. See, Jesus and the Holy Spirit want you to be convicted. Because conviction causes you to not continue in your sin. But the devil wants you to be condemned. Because condemnation will try to keep you in your sin. Condemnation will say, this is the way that you are, and you will always be this way. Conviction says, this is the way that you are, but this is the way that I created you to be. This is the way out. Contend with conviction. Well, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Hey, don't misquote Scripture. Because Scripture also says that we are to judge according to righteousness and not according to appearance. See, most people that say, well, y'all shouldn't be judging me. It's because a Christian has been more like the devil than Jesus. 
And a Christian has felt them, made them feel more condemned than convicted. Like they showed them where they weren't, but they didn't show them where they could be. And we as God's people are called to contend with conviction. Watch what Paul says. Verse 21, test everything. Just just letting the Bible read itself. Test everything that is said. Don't scoff at prophecies. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Test it. You know all those pastors, and I've been one of them. They say, you can test God in the tithe. It's the only thing the Word of God says you can test Him in. And if you test Him in the tithe, then He'll release His blessing and open up the... No, no, no. Paul said test everything. It is the only thing you can test God in. But Paul says test everything. Like, don't just take somebody's word for it. Don't take my word for it. Somebody prophesies it. They might have had some onions for breakfast. Don't listen to them. Who cares? Don't hold God accountable to somebody missing it. Maybe God wants to take your critic and turn them into a coach. Maybe God wants to take your enemy and show you some truth that you should have been operating in. I think he's done it before. Test everything. Don't react. Don't react to everything that's said. Listen, if you live a reactionary life, you will not live a revelationary life. There's a difference. You can't be reactionary and revelational all at the same time. You'll have to choose. Test everything that's said. Test everything. Hold on to what is good. Hold on to it. Hold on. I mean, why do we only hold on to the bad stuff? Because we're falling. Because it's easier to feel sorry for ourselves than it is to work to get better. Hold on to the good. Don't just hold on to the baggage. Come on, let that stuff go. Did Jesus pay for it or not? Hold on to what is good. Now watch this. Easy, church. Stay away from every kind of evil. The version I memorized said, shun the very appearance of evil. Don't even position yourself so that somebody could assume you were partaking. Don't even position yourself so that somebody could accuse you of partaking. That's why I have somebody follow me all over this building every Sunday. That's why I don't go anywhere throughout my week that my wife doesn't know where I am. Well, what about your privacy? I got married, fool. I don't have no privacy. <laughs> and neither do you because you can't hide from yourself. And when you unite yourself with somebody else, you become one in the eyes of God and you can't live separated. You can't hide from yourself. And I'm not trying to beat somebody down that's not completely open or, or somebody that somebody's not completely open with. I'm just saying the Bible says shun the very appearance. So I, I put people around me. I let my wife know where I am. I let our staff know where I am. I let Miss Debbie know where I am. I keep somebody with me. I know an evangelist was preaching a message at the end of a service. And a young lady came up and she was in tears and she was so genuine. She was so sincere. And she, she had just, in her eyes, she had just fallen in love with this guy. And everybody else had left the building. But the evangelist stayed and he was trying to minister to this young lady. And when she didn't hear what, he want, what she wanted to hear from him, she ran out and accused him of trying to make an attempt to pass at her. 
it ended up almost ruining his ministry. The only way that he got out of it, you remember that time Joseph was in the room by himself with another man's wife? Shun the very appearance of evil. You know how you do that? You know how we, we contend with conviction? There's one word, you ready? Worship. Oh, hang on, hang on. You think I'm talking about music. No, no, that's just one aspect of worship. When I say worship, I'm not talking about a set list on a Sunday or even what's coming out of your radio every other day. Now, I don't personally have a problem with country or rap or reggae or whatever it is that you want to listen to. What I do have a problem with is a message that Jesus shed blood for. So if it's talking about getting drunk and hooking up with people that you're not in holy matrimony with, we might want to turn that off. Let me say it this way. You ready? Hear me. Watch this. If it's not good for a child, it's not good for a child of God. So if you wouldn't give it to a baby, then don't give it to a newborn believer. Don't give it to yourself. Worship. What is worship? According to scripture, worship is in Romans 12 verse 1. Paul says this, I plead with you. I plead with you. I think this is important. I plead with you, give your body to God. Stop being filled with envy and lust and gluttony. Give your body to God. Stop filling your ears and your eyes with things that Jesus shed blood for. Give your body to God. Why? Because of all that he has done for you. The translation I memorized has said, I urge you, Paul says. I urge you. I'm urging you. In view of God's mercy. What does that mean? Because God didn't give you what you did deserve, and he has done so many things for you that you didn't deserve. Well, what has God done for me? You woke up and you're here. You better praise him. What did God do in view, of my, in view of his mercy? Because of what he's watched, what does it say? Be a living, be a living, not a life-sucking leech that people don't want to be around. Mm-hmm. See, maybe the problem in our nation is not the immorality of evil people, but the complacency of so-called Christians. So-called Christians. Because Christianity is not complacent. Nowhere in the covenant of God's word do you see a complacent Christian be a living, life-giving, and holy. Why? Because without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. I don't care how many services you have attended or how many ashes you have covered yourself with. Worship is a lifestyle, not a day. The kind he will find acceptable. Why? Because this is worship. That's what it looks like to worship him. That's who he is. Last week I said pray every day. This week I want to add to it 15 minutes of fame. You ready? Everybody's seeking 15 minutes of fame. Like, man, if I could just get a million views on this one video. 15 minutes of fame. See, I want to, I want to have 15 minutes of fame in the kingdom of God on every, on a daily basis. Five minutes of a devotional. Five minutes. Five minutes in God's word. Well, I don't know how to read God's word. No, you don't want to read God's word. We give you a devotional every week that you could read along with us. If you go to this church, you don't know how to read God's words because you don't want to. It's not because we don't have a small group, a freedom group, and a devotional on a weekly basis that we're not resourcing you with. It's because you're choosing not to study God's word outside of this service. Now, I told you it was going to get a little tough, okay? Just hang in there with me. Because after, you just five minutes, 
YouVersion devotional or a devotional book, anything. Hey, look, trust the sovereignty of God to lead you to speak to you through something. Five minutes after that, five minutes of prayer. Praise, repent, ask, yield, expect, receive. Prayer, five minutes. And then five minutes worshiping. Five minutes. You can turn on Air One or K-Love if that's your thing. Not really my thing. I like Maverick City music. I like Bethel. I like Josh Baldwin. I like, I like Barrett. I, 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 like it. I like elevation worship sometimes. When I can understand what they're saying, I'm in, y'all. Like, I know some people, that they like Lecrae. Like, they just like to worship Jesus to Lecrae. Not really my job, but however you worship, worshiping. Worship is, worship is about you and Jesus. 15 minutes of fame. Hey, let me, hear me. Let's watch this. There's this thing right now that is, is attempting to be passed, or maybe it already has been passed, and the Catholic Church is taking it head on. And you'll see the Protestant church jump in, and you'll see attorneys and everybody just come to, the, come to work, and, and we may or may not win or be victorious in this specific area, but there's this thing called the Equality Act. You've, you've probably seen it. If not, you can go look it up. They've been trying to pass this for like the last five years. It's not the Equality Act of 1960 where like we really needed to recognize all races as equal in God's will and God's plan for their lives. Okay, that's, that's not what it's talking about. This Equality Act is a different kind of Equality Act. It's an unbiblical agenda trying to be shoved down the throat, specifically and hold people accountable that don't agree with that agenda. But listen, hear me. How can we be so offended? Listen, catch this. How can we be so offended by transgender rights when we've been watching extramarital and premarital affairs on our favorite Netflix TV show for however many weeks that you've already been watching that series? Let me say it this way. Watch this. Watch. God's law doesn't change because she turns 18. If you're not supposed to look at her at 14, according to Jesus, you don't look at her at 24. And we don't get to be offended by some people's sin and addicted to our own. That's not how scripture works. See, that just got heavy. But again, what's wrong with this nation is not the immorality of evil people, but the complacency of so-called Christians. We're not contending with the Holy Spirit. We're going to a service and calling it church. We're not contending with the Holy Spirit and contending with conviction. We're calling our sin okay and everybody else is evil. We contend with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We are called to be consecrated, set apart, and holy in his name. And when we contend with the Holy Spirit, he doesn't let us continue in a direction that is separated from what Jesus paid for us to walk in and call it okay. It's not okay. This is not the way. But conviction says, this is the way. Walk in it. And I'll walk with you every step of the way. This is who I am. Number nine. This is where we close today. Contend with purpose. Purpose. Some people may call this a vision. And the Bible says without vision, the people, it actually, the better translation, some, some versions say the people will run astray. Without vision, the people will perish. The best version of that scripture, watch this, without vision, the people will cast off restraint. See, if you don't understand your purpose, you'll stop living for Jesus when it doesn't work out the way that you wanted it to. The Bible says, I believe we should contend with purpose. Why would you say that? Watch. This is how Paul ends 
this disclosure. He says in verse 23, now. Now. Now what, Paul? Now that you have contended with covering. Now that you have contended with care. Now that you have contended with grace and joy and prayer and praise. And now that you are learning how to contend with the Holy Spirit. And not just get saved, but be saved. Come on, somebody. Not just have a moment of freedom, but walk in the freedom. And contend with conviction now. Now that you understand the process. Now that you have these things to work on and you're allowing God to work on them in you. Now that you don't just recognize evil in other people, but you recognize the fallenness in yourself first and foremost. We can't have holiness in a land until we have it in a house. And we can't have it in a house until we have it in a heart. Paul says, now... Now that you what? Now what? Now that you understand your purpose. This is your purpose. This is the will of God. Didn't he say it like right in the middle? These verses. Paul is trying to tell a church that he's not going to get to see again anytime soon. If you don't listen to anything else, listen to this last part. That's what Paul's saying. Contend with purpose now. Now may the peace of God make you holy in every way. Oh, wait, wait. You thought it was up to you? You thought your holiness was up to you? No, 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 no. What's up to you is that you abide in him. It's the peace of God that makes you holy. It's the Holy Spirit that won't let you continue in your sin. It's the Holy Spirit that's telling you to turn that off. It's the Holy Spirit that's telling you to let that relationship go for a little while. It's the Holy Spirit that's saying, don't stay here. Don't stay here. Get out now. It's the Holy Spirit that's saying, jump. It's the Holy Spirit that's saying, go. Don't go. Start. Stop. That's the Holy Spirit. And now... The God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole, this is where I say, this is what we're made of. We're just like the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God created us in His image and likeness for His glory and purpose. Watch, watch, watch. We are, as He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are spirit, soul, and body. Why are you letting your body tell you what to do? That'd be like letting a child run your house. Y'all, we wouldn't eat anything but sour candy every day of our lives. And I know, spirit. Your house is spirit-led. Your house is spirit-led. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. This is how I contend, y'all, because I'm just going to let you know. I really didn't know what I was doing when I got here, and I still don't. <laughs> like, if this thing goes south, I don't know what I'm going to do, except for this. The same thing that got me here. 
I'm going to follow the one that led me to this place. Why? Because the Bible says, God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. How do I contend with him? We were on the bus on the way home from youth camp. 2010. My brother who's 16 years old. He's sitting on the back of the bus. If you've never sent a student or a child that you have authority with or over to youth camp or children's camp, I'm telling you, you're missing it. We're going to start signing them up soon. Hey, by the way, if you've never been to our marriage conference, or even if you have, we have different speakers. We're signing up for that right now, too. It's important. Why? Because the best way to minister to a child is through a family. And the best way for a family to be healthy is if the individuals in the family are healthy and if their relationship with one another and God is healthy. So it's important. My brother was sitting on the back of the bus, and he was doing like this. He didn't have his lip out, but he was sitting on the back of the bus. And so I walked back, and I said, hey, man, are you okay? Actually, I said, hey, man, what's wrong? Because if you want a response, you don't ask a yes or no question. If you don't really want a response, you, you, you ask a yes or no question. Like if I see you in Walmart and say, hey, you doing okay? That's a yes or no. I wasn't trying to open up a conversation. <laughs> but I said, hey, what's wrong? And he said, I, nothing, I'm okay. That's not what I asked you. What's wrong? He said, man, I got it. Now, my youth pastor mind went to, we've been at youth camp for the last seven days. What in the world did you get? <laughs> what's wrong? What happened? He says, no, 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 I, I get it, I get it. 16 years old, his dad passed away the previous September at 15 years old. Less than 20 days later, he turned 16. On his 16th birthday, his sweet 16, his dad wasn't there to celebrate it. He's sitting on the back of the bus, and I said, what's wrong? He said, man, I get it. Coming home from youth camp. See, those services are tailored made for students and children. And what happens at those camps changes the eternity of that child and then God uses that child to change the trajectory of the people that God puts in their path for the rest of their lives I said Marshall what happened what do you mean what you got what he said I get it I get it this is all that matters like I, I understand I understand why it happened I understand why why my dad's gone I get it I understand why it hurt. I understand why I couldn't be with this person that I really wanted to be with. I understand like this breakup. None of that mattered. This is all that matters. All that matters is that I live for God and I do what he sent me here to do. Some of you have heard this story. I've told it at memorial services. This is all that matters. I believe it's God's law. I'll give you another acronym for you to take home. All that matters, Marshall's saying is that I live for Jesus. Not that I just look to him on occasion, but I live for Jesus and I accomplish his will for my life. And that along the way, I win as many people as possible because the last time I checked, my God's not still in the grave. The stone has been rolled away. He has been resurrected. He's came and he's coming back. And I have a purpose until he comes. And it's this. I said, bro, 
if you will never forget that, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Today he's married. He's got a son with my dad's middle name. His wife is about to have another little girl. (laughs) Girl dads. He's a full-time staff member at a church. He actually is serving as a youth pastor at the church that we stole Pastor Weston from. See, I took a brother, gave him a brother. I'm a good dude, man. Chris giveth, Chris taketh away. What is God's plan for your life? What's your purpose? That's it. I wish it were more complicated. But that's it. But you can't live for Jesus if you haven't given him your life. Would you bow your head, close your eyes with me. Father, thank you for the patience of your people. Lord, wake us up spiritually. I lift up every follower of Christ in this room right now. May we be convicted. Not to do the things that everybody else is doing. Say the things that everybody else is saying. Go to the places that everybody else is going and live the same way that everybody else is living. God, may we be convicted. Not just offended by other people's sin, but convicted of our own fallenness. May we contend with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, be more than a retreat. Be a reality tomorrow morning, this afternoon as we go. Be the face of the person that we seek every morning when we wake up. Let us contend with the Holy Spirit. Contend with conviction in God. Contend with purpose. Purpose and vision. Clarity, guide us, Lord. Church, I want to ask you, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you to pray with all of your heart right now that the Holy Spirit would roam this room freely and that he would make his way out of these walls to every single person that's watching online right now. I want to ask you this question. Are you confident of who you are in Christ? Are you following him? Are you living for him? Or are you, are you convicted? Because you'll be confident or confidently convicted. One of the two will come. So right now, if the Holy Spirit is stirring in you and and you know that, that he's calling you and he's drawing you and he's pulling on you, then why don't you answer the call? Surrender your life. Receive salvation. Confess him as Lord. Begin again or begin anew right now. If you need to receive salvation today, if you need to confess Jesus as Lord, if you need to commit your life to him for the first time or the first time in a long time, open your hands right where you are. Posture yourself in a position of surrender, letting go of the things that you've been hanging on to. Give them to God. Cast your cares upon him and begin to receive. Receive what? The peace of God that makes you holy. The salvation of God that makes you clean. Church, I want to ask you to pray loud so that anybody that needs to pray this prayer would pray out loud. If I'm talking to you and the Holy Spirit's drawing you right now, you need to confess him as Lord. Come on, I want to ask you, pray it with me right now. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen. I've been distracted, discouraged, disobedient. I believe you gave your life so I could live. I could be made holy like you. 
You died on a cross. You shed your blood. You paid for my sin. You were resurrected from the dead. The stone was rolled away. So raise me up. Make me new, just like you. Fill me with your spirit. Cleanse me. Save me. Use me. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, wake somebody up with praise this morning.